cut out those pieces of my life to say, hey, yeah, I want to hang out with you this weekend. I want to go to dinner. I want to do these things. But I have something that I want and I'm going to need to sacrifice to do it. I'm going to need to give this up in order to get it. So that that's that was one of the most humbling experiences in my life. And it also taught me to have grace for other people. So when you see people make a mistake, you may want, you just didn't get caught. You've been in situations where you wanted somebody to forgive you. So why can't we do that for other people? Thanks for joining the CC America podcast, where we are getting mentally fit through testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. This is Tamaria Jordan, the host of the CC America podcast, a show dedicated to helping others get mentally fit. What that means is we are sharing stories of faith, inspiration, and transformation. So tonight, I have the awesome and amazing pleasure of interviewing one of my sister friends that I met over 20 years ago at the Appomattox Regional Governor's School for the Arts and Technology in Petersburg, Virginia. We have been blessed to share so many fun memories over the years and have learned a lot on this journey called life. Tonight, we invite you to listen in as we catch up on what's going on in Moe's world. Morgan Johnson is a human resources specialist by trade and has years of experience in various different disciplines, some of which includes, but is not limited to, working as a counselor, working as a manager and a certified trainer, just to name a few. Morgan has an MBA with a concentration in human resources management and services from Averett University and a bachelor's in psychology from Virginia State University. Tonight, we are talking about human resources, career journeys, faith, and more. So let's get started. How are you doing, Morgan? I'm doing pretty good. How have you been? Doing well, thank you. So happy that you are joining the show tonight. Really excited to chat with you and find out what's been going on in your world and also talk about all of the the many blessings that have been coming your way. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Usually the question I like to start with is, of course I read your bio, but who do you say Morgan is? Who am I now? Um, Now I am someone that is more focused in my walk with God. And I say that, you know, you hear people say that all the time, but I say it is more or less. He is someone that I speak to when I can't speak to anyone else. Like I was thinking yesterday, I had a lot of different things going on in my job and I felt frustrated, overwhelmed, felt like screaming. And I'm just like, because I work in the HR field, I really can't share my day-to-day life with people just because of certain law violations. So when I want to talk to someone, it's either some type of code or I have to leave out all the intricate pieces to define what's really causing this frustration in my life. But with God, I don't have to do that. I can literally say, listen, Jesus, (laughs) you know, Sally James Johns Jr. (laughs) She was asking for a conversation today that I wanted to give her. However, I still have to have that grace that he has for us and say, okay, pull that emotion back. All right. 
and then proceed with whatever's going on. But I'm human. I have to get that emotion out first because emotion and logic can oxidize the same space. And then I'm able to go forward. Amen. That is so true. Um, and you're right. He is a good listener. Even though we don't hear our audible voice, we know that he hears us because there's always something that he shows us either through someone else or just in life where you're like, oh, you heard me. You see me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have had the opportunity to reinvent yourself throughout your career. And what has that taught you about life in general? I can honestly say it has taught me to continue to be adaptable. So I've only been in the human resource field for about five or six years now. Originally, as you said, I was a caseworker. I did counseling. Um, I was in marketing for a while, which is something I was very good at, but it was mentally exhausting. So I would tell anybody that you have to be open to new opportunities. And it may not be an opportunity that you want, but it may be the opportunity that you need. And walking into this field was something I needed because I am a philanthropist at heart. I love helping people. It makes my day. It makes me feel better about life. And I wasn't getting that in the sales piece. I was just selling people stuff they didn't need or stuff they thought they needed. And that's technically not helping people. That definitely makes sense. And you know, I know how that is when you really feel like you want to give back and you're not able to do that on a regular basis. So it totally makes sense. What do you wish you had known when you started your career journey? I wish, you know what? I can't even say that because I'm hard-headed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would love to say that I wish somebody would have pushed me harder, but I had a very rebellious spirit in my 20s, early 30s. So you couldn't have, you could have pushed and I would have just said, okay, I'm listening. But I wish I would have listened to my own self to not quit. Um, sometimes it's really, really easy to get discouraged when it's not happening. Like um, it was a period of time where I didn't go straight through school like a lot of my friends. I literally started in 2002, stopped, started back in 2008, finally got my bachelor's, stopped, started school again in 2015, finally got my master's. And it was more or less saying like, just don't quit, keep going. So I would tell anybody that that particular progression, even though it was hard and right now it's, it's behind me, but during it, it's something like it just, it took forever. So I would definitely tell myself like, regardless of what you're feeling, try your best not to feed that emotion. It's okay to feel it, but don't feed it. Oh, I love that. Remind me to, I love that. Feel it, but don't feed it. A lot of us can use that. <laughs> That's really good advice. You know, we've had a lot of conversations over the years, which I'm really grateful for, because those little nuggets are so impactful. Feel it, but don't feed it. Mm. You are speaking to me right now. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so in your current role, what do you love most about what you do now based on your experiences over the years and in comparison to maybe some of the other roles that you had? In my current role now, I like the autonomy. So in my previous roles, it was always about someone else having control. And granted, I do have a director that I report to, but if I want to come in at eight o'clock, I can. If I want to come in at 830, I can. As long as my tasks are complete for the day and I stay motivated, 
he literally just asked, hey, what'd you do today? Let's talk about next steps. I can take my hour lunch and not have to worry about punching in and out or somebody, hey, you're gonna get written up because you didn't get back on time. You know, being able to have that autonomy, but also having the freedom to make decisions. So if I'm talking to a person, because I do a lot of employee relations cases, to be able to talk to people without someone standing over my shoulder be like, don't say that, that's not okay. Having free range to have those open, honest communication, have those open, honest um, situations and have that person be transparent with me because they feel as if the environment is safe. As opposed to my previous positions where it, it was very stringent, don't do this, it needs to be this way. And if you're talking to an associate, you, you can't say this. And I'm able to gauge and respond based upon what I know in my spirit to be true, as opposed to what somebody's telling me, if that makes sense. Oh, that does. And that I think that is a challenge for most of us <laughs> because you want to, of course, I hate to say be on your best behavior, but that's what it feels like. It's almost like that relationship between employees and employer where it's more parent childlike versus yep. truly being a situation where you feel comfortable being yourself and having your creative freedom to be yourself, but then also making sure to follow the rules. So it, right. it is, it's a hard balance, I think, for a lot of us. I know it was for me, especially at the start of my career, because we want to fit in. And yep. then in trying to fit in, you something ends up getting lost. Either you lose your voice or you lose yourself. Yep. That's, I was just going to say that you lose yourself because you're trying to focus on like, well, this is how they want me to be in this environment. And I'm very grateful for my supervisor because he says all the time to me, he's actually a man of God. And we speak about that often. And he says to me, he said, God designed you to be who you are. He said, your challenge is controlling who you are, not taking away from it, but controlling those aspects so you can be a better fit for the people that need you. Oh, that's a great nugget. <laughs> yes, I like that. That That is amazing. That's awesome. So speaking of which, because you're in the human resources field, what are some common misconceptions that you think people in general have about HR? <laughs> I can honestly say one that I get often is if I'm calling an associate that they're in trouble. And what I try to tell a lot of our employees is a lot of the times I'm calling to help you. I mean, granted, you know, my goal is to protect the company because that's my position but also to let an associate know all of their options because a lot of them don't. Like uh, one of the things that I tell people if um, the Family Medical Leave Act, which is something that's really, really important. A lot of people don't know that after 12 months of service, working 1,250 hours, you, based upon the size of your organization, you qualify for family medical leave. It's a law. That means that you have 12 weeks. Your, how you're paid depends upon your employer but you have 12 weeks where you can take care of yourself, take care of a loved one, and your job is secure. It's very rare that a organization will try to fire you during that time unless they have great just cause because trying to fire somebody where they're covered under the Family Medical Leave Act, it's, it's like going to bat with Jesus. You might as well leave your bat in the car. <laughs> Look, good luck with that. <laughs> But absolutely. Or the misconception is, is that I sit at my desk all day and answer emails. I said, and little Johnny could have decided he didn't like little Bobby. And now I have to 
stepping between those two at 8.15 when I literally just walked in the building because you punched Logani yesterday because you didn't like what he said. Or you punched him this morning because you didn't like what he said. And that takes up a span of my day or that to be in this position that you don't have to be, have some type of qualification. I can't tell you how many human resources jobs I apply for, even though I have my MBA, one of the, they're not, a lot of organizations aren't looking for that anymore. They're looking for what's called a PHR, which is okay. a professional human resource certification, or they're looking for the SHRM certification, which is the, it's one of the human resource, um, one of the human resource tests that you take. They're looking for people that have that and experience. So I can honestly tell you just thinking about getting into this field, like weighing your options, deciding if this is what you want, and then go from there. That makes sense. And ironically, you actually touched on the next question in terms of advice for people who want to get into that field. And many people may not know that. They may think, you know, I've gone back to school, I've paid my dues, I'm doing everything I need to do. And it doesn't quite work that way all the time. So yeah, that's a, a really good point. Is there any other advice you would give someone trying to break into the field, knowing that they need the combination of the experience, the certifications, and probably the education as a precursor. The precursor, I would honestly say um, my undergrad in psychology, I never thought it would translate into my current position, but it does. Um, it taught me how to speak to people and not just how to speak to them, but to do what's really hard, which is actively listen. So one thing my twin and I, we practice is when she says something to me, to repeat what she said in my own words to make sure that whatever she said is what I heard. Because when we started living together, we, <laughs> it's like cats and dogs. <laughs> if anybody knows having a sibling, they can pluck your ever loving nerves. But it wasn't because we didn't love each other, it's because our communication styles were different. So a good example would be, we were talking about an amusement park and she was just like, Morgan, the Ferris wheel. I said, the merry-go-round? She said, Morgan, it's the same thing. I said, well, just to make sure that we're talking about the same thing, I just, just want to play it out there. But it's, it's funny because a lot of the times we listen to respond instead of actively listening. So that's one thing I would tell anybody, work on your active listening. See if you can actually listen to a person without interrupting them. And then what did you take away? Take some leadership classes because when you get into a human resource position, you are a leader teaching leaders. So that's something important. Um, there are different types of internships that you can step into because a lot of people don't think about it. Human resources has a sales piece because you have to get people to buy into what you're saying. It's not about telling them what to do. It's about giving them good counsel. And then from that counsel, hoping that they'll make the best decision. But then also, as my boss would say, taking the sleeve off your knife and putting it down, stop. Counseling's over. We're not, but knowing how to gauge those reactions and who you're talking to. Speaking of which, with your experience counseling before, that probably translates very well to what you're doing now. You know, I, I chuckle because counseling and this are like, <laughs> counseling was so much harder. It was, <laughs> it, it was so much harder because I'm aware, well, I was aware that a lot of my clients experience maladaptive behavior. And my goal was to get them to channel that behavior into something productive, recognize that behavior, stay on their medication, 
different things of that nature. So it, it it's it's very taxing to help a person because they have to want that help. Here, I can give you all the help you want, but if you choose not to take it, that's your choice. That's true. That's a really, really good point. Um, and I, I think that goes for a lot of us, even even beyond that, like that area, something that we don't think about is all of us make choices every day. And sometimes it's easy to blame others for those choices because of things they've done or what have you. And can you explain for our audience who audience members who may not be clear on what the maladaptive behavior means? So maladaptive behavior means that the person is not normal according to society. That means that there is some sort of I don't want to say physiological imbalance, but there is a criteria that puts them on a scale to say, hey, there's something called the DSM-5, or it should be like six or seven or eight now. It's been a while since I've actually been in that field. But basically, it lists a variety of disorders because they've, they've changed that. So it's now maladaptive behavior. When you think people are crazy, that's the word that they like to use. It's not that they're crazy. It's just that there is something within their mental capacity that they're having a hard time grasping. And based upon them not being able to hold on to that, their behavior is something that's not adaptive to the norm of society. So maladaptive behavior. Makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. I, I learned something as well. I was like, I bet you a lot of us might assume we know what that means, but not really knowing the full context. I think that does help shed some light on, you know, even what you were stating and how you handle those situations and the communication piece of it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So are there any um, other resources or things that you think people should really look into who want to break into the field of HR? In regards to resources, HR is one of those fields that it's a little bit more challenging if you don't know who to speak to or how to speak the lingo. So for me, it was, I actually did this a few months ago when um, I was unemployed, decided to study for the PHR, one of the human resources certifications. And it opened my mind to so much more knowledge than just being in the field because human resources has a legality point to it. So we have to be aware of employment law and labor law. And then there are union pieces that go to it. And thankfully, I'm not a part of that. But <laughs> there are a lot of different things that feed into that. So I would tell anybody, pick up a, a, an HR reference guide, which basically are look, look for authors that are in that field or SHRM. Um, they have a website where literally, if you want to, you can sign up for a subscription and they will send you articles that go on. You can go into their website and talk to different advisors. You can pull up the, they have conferences that are virtual now that you can sign up for. They give you all the tools to say, hey, you need this criteria in order to get into this position. It's one of the, the tools that I use when I thought about pursuing this. It's like, how much experience do I really have? How much education do I need? And it's literally a step-by-step -step guide to say, this is where you start, but these are good things to have too. Like I said, the leadership piece is really good. Taking a couple of psychology classes because your coworker that you spoke to today may not have heard you when you said good morning because their child is sick at home. Were you receptive to the change in their facial expression or their body language, 
or did you personalize? Did you project your own emotion onto that person to say, well, they just don't like me today. No, ma'am, this has nothing to do with you. They're having a bad day. You have them too. Let's do what we do and treat people better than they deserve and keep it pushing. But I didn't learn those things until I started to educate myself. Like my leader now, <laughs> he is one of those ones that will challenge you. So literally my second or third week of work, he gave me 12 books to read. And I looked at him okay. <laughs> By when? <laughs> he said, there is no time frame, but I will know if you're reading them based upon the conversations we have. Okay. And I told him, like I told him, I said, I don't think I like you. And he, <laughs> talked, he said, and that's fine. He said, but the goal is when you're with me is to grow. So I would tell anybody, the human resources field is about constant adapting to your environment and not being closed in a box to where you aren't receptive to the changes because it changes often as far as what laws are pliable, what regulations you can look into, how you can conduct a conversation, like a, a, something simple. I'll give you a simple example. So when you're conducting an interview with a person, there are certain questions you can't ask so if I ask you, how old are you? What are you going to say to me? You're going to tell me your age, I'll right? i my age, yeah. So by law, you can't ask that question. What I can ask you is, are you of age for this position, which is 18 or older? You see how that question is similar, right. but it's not the same. So just it's like completely different uh, because you're not, you're not able to confirm what my age range is. So you can't make a decision based on that. Right. So yeah, just different things like that. But yeah, definitely just start with the basics. I would definitely pick up one of those reference guides. And, you know, I'm a famous person. I'm a Google if I don't understand. I was like, well, I don't know that SAT word. Let me look at it. <laughs> just, just to be candid, because the, the assumption is also that because you're in this field, my colleagues use a, a vocabulary that I'm sitting there like, yep. <laughs> but I'm gonna Google those when I get back to my office to make sure that when we talk about it later, I got it. And it's no shame in that. Like we educate right. each other. So being open, being open is big. You know, you said a lot in that, that segment, meaning you talked about perspective and, and like really recognizing that not everything is about us. <laughs> you talked about being resourceful and also adapting so you touched on a lot. So for our listeners, I hope you were catching those nuggets because you do a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of managers wish their team did in terms of looking up information, being resourceful, finding the information you need and being okay with saying, you know what? I really don't know. <laughs> and that's okay. You learn. I don't know. Say it again. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times my coworkers like, she got another question. <laughs> that's right. I don't know. Say it again. But you know what? It's good, though, because a lot of people don't ask. And unfortunately, when we don't ask, then we, we're we just sitting there, and then information is literally being piled on top of the information that we still don't know. So mm -hmm. then we're really going to be confused by the time we leave the meeting, as opposed to stopping and being like, okay, can you clarify that point for me? Or can you explain it? Can you define something? Say, yep. say something today. <laughs> so we'll talk about say something Saturday in a moment, but we need to say something today. 
Okay, right now. In the, do you understand? I don't understand. <laughs> I love it. So what would you say was one of the most transformative life experiences that you've had on your journey? Mm, one of the most transformative life experiences I have was um, I was 17 or 18, got in some trouble, and it put life into perspective because whenever you have any dealings, whether it's a speeding ticket, you shoplift, you whatever, whenever you have any type of confrontation with the law, it puts you in a place to where people start to view you differently. And I had this conversation with someone here recently. I said, the sad part about it is, is when people hear the word criminal, regardless of what it is, they close their ears to anything you have to say because it turns into, you made a mistake that's unforgivable. Even though God forgives us every day, we don't practice that particular golden rule. So I can honestly say that was one of the transformative features in my life that caused me to be very humble. I talk about it in depth, like you said, on Say Something Saturday, and I'm, I'm very transparent because I want people to understand, like, the person that you see now is not the person who I was. And I had to literally self-reflect, pull a lot of pieces out of myself and recognize that, Morgan, your, the reason your actions cause your consequences, like, you chose to do A, B, and C, and now that's where you are. Now, you can't be upset with Johnny, Bobby, little boy blue because they were a part of your life at that time because nobody told you to do that you decided in yourself that hey this is what i'm going to do and for some of some of our listeners this evening i know sometimes you have people that push you in your life to say hey do this for that moment and it's really really easy to give in because we want to be people pleasers we want to like you said be part of that group but i can honestly say taking a step back and recognizing at the end of the day, whatever I choose, I'm going to be responsible for was life-changing. And it put me on a path to say, I have to do something better. Not, not I need to, because you can have a need. I need to eat. I need to lose some weight. I need to do my hair. I, you can have a need, but do how bad do you really want it? Because when we want something extremely bad, like when you want a burger and fries, you're going to find a restaurant open at 3 a.m. to get that burger and fries. Why can't we apply that same energy to something that's going to help us progress? And that's what I had to start doing to put that, like I said, studying for that certification, I wanted to pull my eyeballs out. <laughs> I literally studied for two months straight, three hours a day, nonstop. And it was one of the most taxing experiences. And I, I didn't pass, just so everybody knows. I didn't pass. I came close. And I'm going to take it again when the money comes. But to cut out those pieces of my life to say, hey, yeah, I want to hang out with you this weekend. I want to go to dinner. I want to do these things. But I have something that I want. And I'm going to need to sacrifice to do it. I'm going to need to give this up in order to get it. So that that's that was one of the most humbling experiences in my life and it also taught me to have grace for other people so when you see people make a mistake you may want you just didn't get caught you've been in situations where you wanted somebody to forgive you so why can't we do that for other people mm, well you just again a word okay <laughs> you you touched on a lot in that because you think about 
what we see now. And and yesterday was a really important day in the state of Virginia in terms of like the death penalty. And so, I mean, you're right. A lot of times we are not the people who will give others a second chance, but we want one. We do. And so your background in psychology, your personal experiences have all, you know, shaped your perspective. But I think it's a perspective that a lot of us, if we take a step back, and like you said, even your HR experience studying for the PHR, you are still moving forward. You're still pressing through. And even though you're not the same person that you were, like you said, look like where you are now, I'm just grateful that you are just continuing to grow and that you're not letting no stop you. Because you could have let that stop you and be like, you know what, I give up. Let me do something different or let me just go back to what's comfortable because you have a wealth of experience. You could have easily said, I'm going to go back and do what's comfortable, but you didn't. So I commend you for your transparency, for always sharing your truth, and then also for doing what you need to transform from the inside out. So kudos to you, my sister. Well, you know I'm proud of you. <laughs> We've had plenty of conversations. so. I just, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I can honestly say it's not just me. It, it takes, like um, one of the scriptures says, you know, the body is just not the hand. It's not just the arm. It takes all the pieces in order for your body to move. And in order for me to move, I have friends like you. I have my siblings. I have, you know, I still have my mom. And even though, and I, I laugh because when I tell people about my friend group, we chuckle because my friends are very forward. They're just like, nope, you wrong, stop. That's the end of it. Like, because you know, we I, I don't have friends in my circle. And that's one of the things, having accountability partners is a big, big piece. I don't have people in my circle that are going to say to me, Morgan, you're right. It's always more of a challenge. It's like, well, did you think about it another way? Have you, have you, actually talk to that person to see what's really going on and a lot of the times i'm like no i don't want to they said it is <laughs> and they got what i gave them and that's not <laughs> but then after i've had an opportunity to channel my emotion into something more productive i self-reflect like one of my close friends elizabeth we say this all the time she says stuff and i love her daily and i was like you know you get on my nerves and she said and that's okay and eats popcorn while she's talking to me she said you finished being mad baby now, what did I say? I said, you know what, you're right. I didn't want to hear that, but I needed to. It's, it's not, like I, I, I say that all the time, it's, it's not something that I wanted to hear. Now, that situation, that was a need. I needed to hear people say, hey, this is what it is. Like um, one of the rappers that I like to listen to, his name is called NF, and he has this song called Green Light. And then the song, he was just like, I don't need people in my corner trying to gas me. I need people in my corner trying to check me. So I need people now check me with respect. Let's be clear. You can't just come <laughs> to me this type of way because you don't want me to approach you that way. Right. It, it's, it's the same respect. Like that has really, that above anything else has helped me quite a bit to be able to lean on people that I know that when the situation is reversed, they can lean on me too. I like that. So speaking of saying something, can you tell everyone about Say Something Saturday um, that you started on Instagram and just a little bit background, a little bit of background, excuse me, on what led up to that and what you hope to gain by 
hosting these sessions? Mm -hmm. So I was having a conversation with, um, oh my goodness, I know their name just popped right out of my head. But the conversation, that's what it was. I was talking to one of my friends about, um, his name is Pastor Michael Todd. And he talks about the different things that God can get from you. His church is called Transformation Churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And in your singleness, which I am, he talks about the different things that God will put you through in order to get to your purpose. So he'll provide a place, he'll provide provision, he'll provide purpose, and then he'll provide a person when you fulfilled all the things that he has for you. But in order to start those steps, you have to be vulnerable. And when you choose to be vulnerable in God's field, he will protect you because he knows that you're putting everything on the line for him. And when I heard that, I said, you know, God, it's very hard for me to be vulnerable because everybody has something to say, which popped into my head. I was like, well, say something. I'm about to say something. <laughs> say something. Um, but to put it in the light of I'm going to say these things, but I'm going to support it in my faith. And your faith doesn't have to be my faith. I like to give real life situations as far as different things that I've read in scripture. And different things that have come to me in just my one-on-one -on -one moments with God, different things that I'm just like, you know, God, like this morning, I was thinking of an episode and I was listening to, I, I like to listen to my Bible when I'm getting ready in the morning. And I was listening to the story of the Moses when he was freeing the, Egypt, the Israelites from Egypt, heard the story a thousand times, but listening to it this morning, it was one of those things where it was just like the revelation hit me. He was like, how many times does God have to tell you to let go of something before he puts you in a situation where it hurts so bad that you're forced to let go? And literally, that's what he did to Pharaoh. He challenged him time after time, gave him the opportunity to repent. He went back, repent, he went back, repent, hmm. he went back. Until that last plague, which was the death of the firstborn, that was something that cut him so deep, a loss that he couldn't say he didn't see. And he threw his hands up in the air and was just like, you know what, God, I'm, you got it. Tell those fools to get out of Egypt. Let them go. Let Leave. <laughs> Goodbye. Take everything with you. Get out of my town. But it took for God to break him to the most minute point that to be little, to be the littlest man on the totem pole in order to let it go. And I was just like, wow. So just those different pieces. I've heard that story since childhood and right. never, ever thought that it was segue into my life until I decided to give back to God. Like, and I can say this now. So literally, and it's funny that we're having this conversation tonight. So last year, March 26th, I decided to stop having sex with people. I said, you know what, God, I'm ready for a husband. Not really, but I want to put myself in a position to say, when he does come, I'm not distracted by everything else around me. And literally, once I decided to give them, because you can't outgive God, you can't sacrifice more than he can. Once I started that one step, which may not seem big for a lot of people, but it was big for me. I've been having sex since right. I was 17 years old. And, you know, it's been a coping mechanism. It's been a comfort. And I, it was literally like taking away the safety net and having to walk a high wire mm. and still having faith in God to say, if I fall, you're going to catch me even though there's no net. So that was one of the biggest pieces I had to give up. And based upon giving up that piece, now I'm not, I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that it happened overnight, 
that would be a lie. <laughs> I had plenty of times where I was looking at my phone like, don't call him. <laughs> don't, don't look at him. Don't go to the gym that he's at, girl. You know, just dip, like it, it was literally a challenge to just don't answer his text messages. Don't, don't do it. And, or, you know, he'll, he'll go out to eat and he walks into the restaurant and you know you don't eat here. <laughs> Look, that's what you need to delete people. Delete. <laughs> yeah, I had to delete him. I had to block him. I had to change my gym membership because I know my weaknesses and a beautiful man, dark skin, my goodness. And he doesn't even have just a beautiful man and not necessarily to say physically beautiful, but mentally beautiful. Like we can have that conversation, we can connect, but someone that's not afraid to push me is very attractive, but can also be very trapping because they want to push me, but not push yourself. This episode of the CC America podcast is being sponsored by Confident Connotations, creating Christian apparel and accessories that promotes confidence, inspires life, and sparks conversation. Each design is carefully crafted, giving you an opportunity to share your faith. Visit confidentconnotations.com for more information. Yeah, I mean, I think it, all of those aspects to your point is one, recognizing what it is. Like I'm going through my own battle with, I like to eat, <laughs> but part of my transformation is I need to, I need to delete that food. I need to throw it in the trash <laughs> if I know it's not helping me. So I, I totally get it. We all have different things that we like, that we battle with. We have our coping mechanisms, like you said, our safety net. And it really is trying to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I trust that you have me? But he keeps showing us time and time again. And we're still like, I just want to try it. <laughs> I, I, I really, I, well, maybe you don't have my back this time. Maybe you need my help. And he's like, I never needed your help, but we think he needs our help. So it's like, you know, maybe he doesn't know that I'm looking for a job. Let me help him. There's a lot of different jobs that people can go in and pick up. Maybe you know, like, okay, my temptation. Say, for instance, I like to, to drink and I'm trying to quit drinking. And then I'm like, okay, well, God, I need a job, but I'm going to go be a bartender knowing that I have struggled with okay. alcohol. So it's like the same thing. I was trying to think of a, a, a good example, but literally for me, that's like me knowing I like dessert. And then I decide that I'm about to go work at Cold Stone. That would Girl, be a we disaster. Going? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I want the reason I brought up Cold Stone is I wanted Cold Stone last night. I did still end up getting dessert, but I fasted this morning because I am working on that. I'm working on breaking that habit because for me, I really like the sugar. But to your point, one, we have to identify it and then we have to say, okay, I'm going to trust God to help me with this whatever that this is and i've had a lot of things that i that i feel like i'm working through even now is that you mentioned earlier people pleasing yep i'm working through that as we speak so i may do things i may say things that not everyone's gonna like but that's okay everyone didn't accept jesus either but he shook the dust off his feet and he kept going so for me that and you know you've known me for years i want everyone to get up can't we all just get along sometimes yeah, I mean, we can't I mean, like if you don't get out my face <laughs> me. but listen I was before jesus because you know i'm just like my sister <laughs> reminds me of this time 
um, where you said that in reference, I was always the, the sharp tongue instead of the people pleaser. Cause you know me, what, what was it when we were doing, um, we used to belong to this dance team in high school and I'll never, why was I picturing that? I was like, was that one of my dancing moments? It was. And we were going to wear these outfits. Um, I can't even remember, but it was when the the Cisco song came out. The and, song? Yep. And we were, like, we were going to um, wear these outfits. And one of the girls in our groups was just like, I'm not wearing that. Oh, I remember. My whole head, you would have thought I was an owl. My head said. <laughs> and before I knew it, I my my mouthpiece i was on this young lady before i knew it and it was just like more i said no because she always got something to say i'm tired everybody else want to do it with you. such and such and such like it's it's funny now but when i think it about is, it, I moment, remember it. <laughs> it's it's funny in this moment but as i reflect on it that young lady what she shared with me later is she had insecurities about different parts of her body, which is why she felt uncomfortable. And I was not sensitive enough at that time in my life, nor am I expecting a 15 or 16 year old to be because we're learning. But as I reflect back on that, there were other ways I could have addressed that situation. And we did, you know, we we changed the outcome. But that one step, like skipping that step would have been better leading into that. So it's funny, you've actually said say something a few times or say something a few times during the during today's show. So which episode has been your favorite by far that you've recorded? Um I can't think of the name uh, resilience. Yep. Okay. Resilience is my favorite because like I said, I like to listen to my Bible in the in the morning and it talks about the story of Joseph. When I was talking to my older sister Lauren. And I said, sis, do you recognize how much Joseph went through and he didn't once curse God? Like literally from beginning until end. So you went from being your father's favorite child to your brothers, like you shared a dream with them because you can't share your dream with everybody. You shared an intricate piece of your life with people and they started to hate you for it. Their hatred grew into wanting to kill you. They took from wanting to kill you to sell you into slavery you're falsely accused and thrown into jail, you're forgotten about for two years, and then released into a place to where now you still have to do God's will. You still have to let him move in your life. You still have to give all the glory to him and be his representation after everything that you've been through. When I can say that piece pushes me because some days I'm just like, not today, not today. Like I, I, I find myself, and when I reach those moments, I get teary at it because I'm like, God, I'm tired. I'm, I'm over this situation. I'm over feeling these things. I'm over this experience. And he's just like, I got you. I've got you in a place where now whatever I'm asking you to do, you're going to be open to. And that's not for everybody. That's just how me and God get down because he knows <laughs> I have to be in a breakable space in order for him to get it. I'm like, as I said earlier, I'm hard headed. So he literally has to come down and wait with the hammer. He's like, nope, she's not ready to crack yet. Wait. Okay, she's ready. And literally crack me open to say, hey, this is what I need you to do now. This is the path that I need you to take. So that resilience, it's funny because that's been my life literally from 17 till now, from 
yeah. being told no you're not going to do this or you can't do this you're too dark like the whole colorism thing or you're female you can't do that or you know you don't have the experience for this or no we're not hiring people like you or no I, I don't I don't think you're going to represent us well because you don't speak eloquently enough because you don't use these 60 s 60 syllable SAT words and a lot of the times you don't have to do that in order to get someone to listen like if you want me to stomp around in the, in the ballroom with you and put on my dress and these heels and do that I can do that but do I need to in order to get my point across or do you hear me at a family style restaurant where we're sitting here eating a slice of pizza and sipping some coke which it doesn't matter which environment we're in but which one are you more receptive to to listen and God knows that he said, you hear me more when you're down here than when you think that your elevation comes from you and not me. Mm. That's deep. Say something. Okay. <laughs> yes, that, that is a really good point in terms of resilience because you, you and I have had plenty of conversations about what people have told us we can't do. Like clearly, if I would have listened to the teacher who told me I couldn't get into the Appomattox Regional Governor School, you and I wouldn't have met probably. Or that you could be a model because let me tell you all this girl's a flat model, okay? But you <laughs> thank know, you, Bill. But just that, or that you're you're beautiful for who you're, you are. You don't have right. to be this cookie cutter version of who people think you are. Like I don't know if you um follow Sade that we used to go to school with the dancer. I do, yes. She's teaching fitness classes now. She is. And she posted something here recently that brought tears to my eyes that I never knew. And because you know she's biracial. And oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm, she's biracial. And one of the stories that she posted, she said that it was really hard growing up knowing that your grandmother doesn't like you because your legs are thicker than everyone else's. And I was like, I don't see that. What are you talking about? But getting into her adulthood and just realizing her truth to say there are dancers out here that look like me there are dancers right. out here that I can aspire to be and she's a successful dancer been all over the world traveling yeah. did a rendition of Lion King where she was in there like amazing amazing woman and I had to stop and tell her how amazing she is because that's how we grow supporting each other but I say that to say in reference to just people telling us what we can't be and seeing so many people push through that because you are definitely an inspiration to me like we've had plenty of conversations where I was like Tia I'm about to just hang it up and you was like no you're not and likewise we push iron sharp as iron and I feel like we've been there for each other right so, yeah. because we've both been told some crazy stuff <laughs> you think if, if we could have an unfiltered addition without any consequences exactly <laughs> people have said some some very very hurtful things to be a woman of color and no i'm not trying to say you know racism blah 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 i'm just speaking in general sometimes people right. say stuff not even realizing that what they say is hurtful but oh, because, so because it sounds good to them that's all that matters oh that's a whole other oh my gosh that's a whole other topic that i we definitely will have to tackle one day for sure because you are spot on a lot of people don't think about the consequences they don't think about those things that they say and in their mind they're like oh i'm just i'm who i am or i keep it real and there's a time and a place and it you is. know you and i we've always talked about that in terms of like 
how people communicate, a lot of times they don't think about it. Now, I don't know if you remember this, and you actually taught me a very valuable lesson. And I don't know if you remember, we were at your house, <laughs> and you we were talking about music. And Oh, no, matter of fact, I told someone in our school, they said they made a song. And I said, oh, you threw some notes on a piece of paper and you called it a song. <laughs> and you told me, you were like, Tamaria, that was rude. And in the moment, I was in high school. I was like, but I wasn't trying to be rude. That's what you do. You put the notes on a piece of paper because my background was in music. And I knew you put the notes on the paper because they would have us do it as an activity. And right. it's a song. So I was like, oh, you threw some notes on a piece of paper and called it a song. And in my head, it was funny, but I didn't think about it until you told me that that was like me, because, you know, I never want to be mean or hurt people's feelings, because right. that's not even my personality. At all. I never thought about it until you had the reaction you just had. <laughs> you had that reaction. We were at your house. And I had, I think I had told someone that we were at school in the recording studio, you know, in the basement at the at the school. So in my mind, I was like, but that's what happened. But how it came out was not a good reflection. And it was completely innocent, <laughs> no malicious intent. And that's no. kind of what I'm telling people. Like, sometimes we say, because I have myself, have my boss, <laughs> my boss here recently, he, he says this all the time. He said, you know, sometimes Morgan, because he has, I call him bougie, and he is. <laughs> I've never seen somebody with a chrome plated keyboard. So oh, okay. So, but I, um, we joke about it, but I say to him all the time, he said, you know what, Morgan, he said, you challenge me at certain moments. He said, and I don't think I like that. Like, um, we had, I had this project where I had to, we have onboarding. So basically to put together these thank you bags to say thank you. And nice. the list of things that I was going through, he was just like, no, I don't like that. I don't like that either. And by the 10th, time I because I've, re, I've revised this 10 times now so at the 10th time I sat in his office I said is it for you though <laughs> I didn't recognize in that moment that probably wasn't the best way to say that <laughs> probably not not to your boss <laughs> oh my god you live and you learn, though. You realize, like, okay, that I probably shouldn't have said that. That's when you don't say nothing. <laughs> As our parents would say, don't that, say anything else. Funny. Yeah, so he like, closed the office door and was like, listen, don't come to me like that. Mm -mm. I, said, I, said, I said, let me let me recant my statement. It's not for you, though. <laughs> it's for the associates. But he was just like, there's a better way to say that. More or less, to say to him, should we be as selective in this? Because it could change tomorrow. Right. See how that he communicated, he communicated that to me. And I was like, mm, I like my way better, but. <laughs> it's a lesson learned though. But I think that's the thing you have to be coachable and all of the different experiences you've had. I will say that like you are coachable and I feel like I am too. Like you coached me in that moment, not even realizing. I remember us literally standing outside and you having the reaction and I was like oh that wasn't my intent it but wasn't. that's what I said and so when you when I'll say you check me indirectly oh that rhymes I was a poet and didn't know it okay so, <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> so 
So I was like, oh my gosh, I always remember that. And it reminds me of a sermon I heard recently by Pastor Stephen Furtick. And he said, stuff you just say in anger, people live with for a decade. Let that sink in. So to your point, what you were saying, I was like, oh my gosh, this is spot on. So with regard to Say Something Saturday, or Say Something Saturday, which I I did share it on on the screen, and I'm going to put it back up here for everyone to see. Um, you know, how they can find it on Instagram. Again, you can follow um, Morgan at MRS and it's m.r.s.johnson. And on Instagram, she has the hashtag Say Something Saturday. So I have listened to them and I'll say that I love the different topics that you talk about and also how you talk about them because like you're being transparent here tonight, that's what we get on your episodes. It's real, it's short, it's to the point, but I think it really is helpful for a lot of people. Whether they tell you or not, they see it. The goal is, um, my mother said to me here recently, she said, Morgan, do you look at your views on Instagram? And the first two episodes I did, and um, I talk about it in one of my episodes, Comparison, and I became really discouraged because one of my really close friends, her name is Brittany, she's amazing. And she has this awesome podcast, it's international. She, she has her own trademark. She's doing these awesome things. And I was like, I don't want to compete with that. And literally God gave me that episode. He said, why do you feel like you need to compete? He said, similar does not mean same. You all have similar gifts. You do. But the way you deliver them, the, the group that you reach, the people that see whatever you need to see, it's not the same group of people. So still, if one person listens to it, that's all I ask you to do. One person, because I'll get up sometimes, I'm just like, Jesus, I don't want to do this today. But he'll push me and it's just like, but I need you to. Regardless of what's happening, I need you to still push through this and do this, which speaking of which, I need to start another season. Because I think 10 per season is going to be my cap. Because what a lot of people don't know from... Even what you do, it takes a lot of time. It takes energy. You have to edit it. You have to hope that your sound comes in good. And if the background noise is in there, it's kind of like, well, it's just going to have to stay in there because it's not coming out. (laughs) You know, but putting everything into it. And when I recognize that my friend, when she does that, or even when you do it, that you all put so much time, effort, and energy into it. It's nothing to be compared to. It's something to to admire. And I told her that. I said, you know, you inspire me to keep going. Like when I see your stuff posted on IG, I'm like, she's still going. Because most people don't know. Your mom, your wife, you're a small business owner. You take care of family. You help other people without them asking. Like you do all these amazing things for people. You exhaust so many different pieces of yourself, not because you have to, but because you can. And it's your desire to. And I can honestly say having people in my circle that do that when I want to quit, when I want to stop, pushes me to keep doing it. Thank you. And you know, I'm so proud of you. Like we, we get to talk, maybe not as often as we did in high school, but whenever we do talk, we might be on the phone like three or four hours, but (laughs) we cover so much ground. It's like, we never miss any time in between. And it's always really inspirational and when I get off the phone I'm feeling pumped up like okay what can I go and tackle next and so I I'm just grateful that I'm able to do some of that for you as well because it's really exciting to have 
friends in your life for years that you see the growth, you see the transformation. And so that was one of the reasons I say, you know what, whenever you're ready, I would love to have you on because you don't do let her, have- don't let her say it to y'all. She blindsided me. She said, girl, I'm going to have you on my show. <laughs> <laughs> because you know why? Because you have something to say. Okay. I said, I don't That's get why. a choice in this. She was like, no, I'm ready to <laughs> You know, what's funny. A lot of people I'll, I'll mention it to, they're nervous, but I want to be the person to give, to be able to highlight and share other stories because a lot of people don't realize that to your point earlier, that comparison, I remember listening to that one and I said, oh, Morgan is on it. Like this is so spot on, like similar, it's not, it's not same. And so many of us get caught up in that because of what social media almost has done to us psychologically is it creates that comparison and you're looking at your likes but i heard a social media strategist say recently she was like i don't care if you like it did you see it and so when you look at your impressions and i realized she's right i looked at my impressions and i was like where did that many people see my post because if you look at my likes is it may not be in the thousands but it literally, if you look at your impressions on Instagram, you might realize, oh, wow, over the last 30 days, from my profile, over the last 30 days, 7,300 accounts reached. Wow. And I'm like, when I look at my content interactions, I'm like, wait a minute. So then if you press further and you look, so that was just between January 24th and February 22nd. I look at my impressions. 27,880. And because Instagram only shows, and same thing with Facebook, they only show your content to about 10% of your audience. Well, the account activity, the profile visits, like when you look at that, you're like, okay, I, it may be a lot less. It may be in the thousands or the hundreds. It really just depends. But if you start looking up some of the big names, like Nike, theirs is less than one percentage point for content interaction. Like the actual engagement of the likes and the follows and the shares. But a lot of us don't think about that. And so when she told me that and she showed us how to look at it, she said, you might be worried because you don't get a lot of likes. And she said, I used to be that way too. But then I realized a part of the algorithm is to get you to engage. To engage, you have to be on social media a lot more than you probably are. And a lot of us, like you say, you have a full-time job, family whatever it is that you have going on, you may not have that kind of time. And this is why people are paying social media brand strategists to do it for them because to engage and create those, to build those relationships on social media platforms, which is what they're created to do, it takes a lot of time. Similar yeah. to what you said about podcasting, it's what people don't see when you're up in the middle of the night. If Nadia is here, I'm literally up in the middle of the night editing the show. Yep. That, because that's when I can get it done and I get it done and then I'm like okay I did something that I wanted to do for me but I also want to make sure that I'm present so just know that I appreciate the compliment and I'm proud of you and I think that you just keep doing what you're doing because whoever like you said is supposed to see what you're doing they will see it and you also never know who you're inspiring and the reason I said what I said is they may not always tell you they may not always like it but they see it. Know that That's people big. are watching you, whether you know it or not. Your quotes are very powerful that you post. 
so keep going. So my goal is to spotlight the people who don't think others see them or who they think, okay, you know what? I might have a small audience, but I really want to help people. I want to help transform their minds. I want to help build their spirit. That's my goal. I'm like, whoever is supposed to hear it will hear it. That's right. And so I'm, I'm okay with that now. So I'm glad you're okay with that and you're not letting that stop you. So we have talked about faith quite a bit. What role has faith played in the rest of your journey in terms of how you move from A to B? Um, I can honestly say faith is a foundation now as opposed to a bumper sticker. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I don't succeed at all the time because that will be a lie. But I'm also not in a place where my faith is, because at one point in time, um, and I, I, you were in this moment of my life, we were visiting one of our friends in South Carolina, and I told you, I said, I don't believe in God, not in that space. And as my peer group, and I can honestly say, this is why I love my friends, because even though their walk with God at that time was way stronger than mine, never once did they make me feel less than. Never once did you or Taiwan come to me and say, you know what, you're not going to church. You're not doing this. You didn't read your word. You're not blah, blah, blah. You loved on me. And you continue to love on me until I was able to get into a place where I could see God for myself, not what people told me, not another person's testimony. Because when people ask me about my faith and why I choose to, to be a Christian, why I choose to follow God, I said, I'm going to give you my real life experiences. I can't tell you about James and Peter over here, but I can tell you the different things in my life that should never have happened. Happened like a good example, when I lost my job in june i lost my job in june of last year because my not because of covid or anything but because my organization merged with another and they relocated and nah, i wasn't going <laughs> just, to be, just to be transparent and i'm sitting here and most people that if you don't know unemployment the maximum payout benefit is like 400 bucks a week so that's if you are making two to three thousand dollars every two weeks and they cut that to $400, that's nothing. Right. That's nothing. And I'm sitting here and I'm just like, God, I said, first of all, I didn't get my unemployment for the first four weeks because what's going on in our society, everybody was trying to get it. So I'm sitting here like, God, how am I make these, how are these bills going to get paid? Like, what am I going to do? And literally my last paycheck, I was short a week. And I remember sitting in my room crying and I was like, come on. I said, I'm already out of my job. I'm short of short hours. Like, what are you doing? And I called my old boss at the time and she, you know, talked to the people that cut my checks. The next pay cycle, when I got my check, I had an unexpected bonus. And the bonus was double what my paycheck was because we stayed on during the process of them shifting to another state. And I, that was money I wasn't supposed to get. And I said, oh, okay, all right. And God was like, you don't believe me. Let me, let me, let me show you. You don't believe. Literally, all of my unemployment money that I didn't think I was going to get showed up at the same time, literally two weeks later. So I got that on top of the extra money, all of in my account at the same time. And I was like, okay. He yeah. said, no, no. He said, you keep saying okay. You don't believe. You, you, you don't believe. <laughs> I'll tell you again. So I invest in a, uh, at that time a 403B which is a retirement plan for nonprofit organizations. And I was investing, you know, 
5% here, 6% there, nothing crazy, but they match your contribution. But the kick is you have to be with the organization for three years in order to keep the match. And I was only with the organization for two years and six months because my employment stopped. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm gonna get my thousand dollars out and call it a day. And literally the lady called me up and she said, oh no, we have about four grand we're gonna give you. Oh, wow. I said, what? She said, yeah, where do you want this check to be cut to? I said, are you serious? She said, yeah. So however it turned out that match criteria, I became qualified. Money that I didn't think I was gonna have. And literally I, I say this because not just that, within that same window, when I started this job, the hot water in my, heat, my hot water heater in my house went out, my electrical box short-circuited literally, and I, it's not figurative, literally turned to ashes to where my house could have burned wow. to the ground. And because of, I didn't spend this money, I sat on it. I had money to fix all these things. And I was sitting there and one of my friends had to bring it back to me. She said, Morgan, remember all the blessings God gave you over the summer? Remember how you stewarded that money? You didn't squander it. And now you are about to go through that season. Like Joseph told Farrah, uh, Joseph told Farrah, you're going to go through this drop. You're going to go through this season. And I literally went through that season and I had just got my job. And I'm sitting here trying to explain to my boss, literally no power in my house two days after Christmas, sitting outside in my wow. car, rocking, like, Jesus, what am I going to do? How do I call this man and tell him that this is happening? And he's going to believe me. And he said to me, he said, Morgan, I knew from the day I hired you, your character. He said, God sent you to me for a reason. Take care of whatever you need to take care of. And if you need something from me, let me know. Amen. So, when I tell people about my walk with God, I said, that's my experience. And did those things feel good? No, that, that would, I would be a bald-faced liar to say <laughs> that sitting out in my car in the dark, in the middle of the night, trying to figure out what was going to happen. But my right. sister opened her home to me. My mom opened her home. They didn't have to do that. They could have told me to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I, I could have squandered that money or my twin who lives with me, she helped me. My father, who's retired, bless his soul, he helped me. You know, different people that right. didn't have to do a thing for me stepped in, not because they had to, but because that was the path that God put before me. And like I said, I won't sit here and pretend to say that it felt good. It was great right. because it didn't. I, I cried. Like literally my hot water heater went out. Have you ever been in a house with no hot water? That is what oh, it is. You boil it. <laughs> I remember those days. You put it on the stove and boil it, and you have to wait for it to cool off, or you put cold water in there. Washing it with hoping yeah. that that'll get fixed. Bird bath. Okay. <laughs> or even to the point where one of my really close friends, and this is the piece that I forgot, we inherited a house from my parents, and it may sound great, but there was no repair work done to this house for ten years. So you can imagine all the nice little gifts I've been finding and literally I wish I had a picture the my bathroom sits on the back side of the house and the whole back side if I can find that picture the whole back side of my house was rotted through oh no the whole back side to the point where to the point where the ceiling had water 
streaming into my house. Like literally oh, when wow. it rained outside, it rained in my house. It, it wasn't a, a pretend moment. And I remember sitting there telling one of my friends, I said, it's raining in my house. Like oh, it's, wow. it's, it's literally raining in my house. And I remember sitting there crying and I'm just like, God, I said, can't be serious like it's raining in my house and due to the rain in my house there's now a hole in my floor that's about this big oh my gosh my toilet is leaning towards the ground and I'm sitting there and I'm like Jesus this 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 can't be life like this can't be happening <laughs> and right. literally I was just like you know God I said and you know people's like you know you're exaggerating it wasn't that bad Oh my gosh. Wow. So that's crazy. I can definitely send this picture. Oh yeah, I can see it. Wow. That's crazy. That whole backside of my house was rotted. Whole backside. And right above the window right here, that's where the hole was. Wow. So or like when I when I say to people, they're just like, you know, Morgan, you're exaggerating. That's not to exaggerate for what, what reason? I was going to say, why? <laughs> what reason are we exaggerating for? I said, why <laughs> am I telling people something that's not true? Or my fuse box, if you can see the char marks and inside the box. God, let me just say, God is good. You are so right, because that could have been very different. It could have, that's why when people ask me what why my faith is the way that it is, that's why. And it's not like, you know, well, you God's been doing such and such and so. Of course you feel no. And I almost said a five-letter word and I had to catch myself. <laughs> that's that's my that's that's my, my oh, word I, I caught it in that moment because I felt that the passion behind it. I was like, no, no. <laughs> Like bring it back in, reel it back, reel it back I in. It. It was, <laughs> not that word, Morgan. Not that word. Because I've been doing really good. I was like, don't use that word. Think of stars, sprinkles, you know, fudge and sickles, anything else except that. And yeah. just absolutely not. Right, reel it back in, reel it back in. Look, that's when you have friends like me, like girl, reel it back in. No, not that word. <laughs> but, but but literally. That particular piece, like that's that's what what drew my faith in. Because the second that I started to give up stuff, God started to say, "Okay, I'm going to give you this. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to help you through this. You're not going to understand, but I'm going to help you through this. You're not going to get it, but I'm going to guide you. You're going to want to quit, but I am the the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. I am pushing you." where you're going. I am the person when you hear people, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like I still get scared, but I'm not afraid. Mm. I still, I still have those moments where I want to hide, like say something Saturday. It's, it's very scary for me. I get up there and I joke and I laugh. It's very scary for me, but I've learned, even though it's scary to not be afraid. And that's a word you can stand on for sure. So before we wrap up, there's one more question I have for you. What is one personal affirmation that you live by? You know what's funny is my boss said something to me today because I was dealing with literally because I'm off tomorrow. Everybody has a fire in their house. And I that's the term we use when 
employee relations issues break out all over. And I'm just like, everybody in my region's house is on fire because I'm off tomorrow. So I had to put these fires out before I can go home. <laughs> and he said to me, he said to me, he was just like, Morgan, guide them, don't tell them. Oh. And when you guide people, if something doesn't work, then they're more than likely to come back and seek your counsel. When True. you tell somebody something, when you have that dogmatic personality, I'm going to tell you. They will fight you step by step. I'm a testimony to that. Don't tell them, don't, please, please suggest, please have an open conversation with me. But at the end of it, whatever decision I make is going to be mine. You are telling right. me anything. But when he said that, it was just like, give them great counsel. Show them what is needed. And if it doesn't work, support them into a place where they will now come to you and say, how can I fix this? As opposed to, let me tell you what you're going to do. I don't know about you. I don't respond well to that. And neither <laughs> do people. Right. So guide you, not tell you. That's so true. Really great point. I like that. I, well, I love that is what I'll say. So um, on that note, we just want to thank you all for tuning in and checking us out tonight. I really had a blast with my sister friend Morgan, and I know that you will be blessed by this episode. Definitely share it because you never know who can be blessed by the testimony, because at the end of the day, we are all overcome by the power of our testimony. And sometimes, mm -hmm. even if it's something that you don't think that you need, you never know who does need it. So know that I will be posting um, Morgan's link in terms of how you can get in contact with her on social media. I will also be posting her hashtag for Say Something Saturday. I know that you will love it because I know it has helped me. A lot of the lessons that she shares are really powerful. And so I'm going to put it back up on the screen really quickly so you all can see it. Again, you can follow her on IG at Mrs. Johnson, that is M.R.S. Johnson um, on Instagram. And then also say underscore something underscore, that's S-U-M-T-H-I-N-G underscore Saturday on Instagram. So thank you again, Morgan, for your time. And to all of our listeners, be blessed. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the CC America podcast. We appreciate you tuning in week after week and joining us for stories of faith, inspiration, and transformation. So that you never miss an update, please subscribe at www.ccamericapodcast.com. You can also follow us on all of our social media platforms at CC America LLC. You can also just search for CC America on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this show. If so, please don't hesitate to share the episodes or let people know that you are listening so that they too can be inspired. We appreciate your support and until next time, be blessed.